to the Supercoach Champions podcast. This is episode 62, and you're here with Catfish. You can get me on Twitter at CatfishSC. I am flying solo tonight. Unfortunately, we had a late withdrawal uh, for Bear. He's uh, tapped out due to illness in the family. Poor, poor guy. Uh, he was so excited this weekend to finally get time to you know hold himself up in his man cave and be able to watch the footy and and but unfortunately uh that didn't go so well and to top it all off he just got smashed in this week so he had a shocker only 980 so he's dropped another i mean he almost doubled his rank this week basically uh which is a bit unfortunate because i was super keen to close the gap uh between him and myself in terms of our ranks and our points totals but not that way basically so I scored twelve twenty three. I've snuck up another couple of thousand spots, but yeah, it's 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 a battle of a year basically. Uh, but look, you know, still got uh, another nine weeks to go, and I'm going to fight as hard as I can to get up as high as possible. Same with Guy. I know he's not given up as well. But yeah, it's a pretty rough one. So yeah, I'm flying solo tonight. Um, format's still going to be the same. So unfortunately, you're going to listen to myself drone on. Uh, but look, I'll try to keep it as interesting as I can and uh look we'll see how we go so in terms of what i did last week uh my trades you for those who follow us on twitter you probably would have seen me go through a bit of an existential crisis trying to work out my trades i I mean i think i started off looking at orbison and then i backflipped to maybe getting enough and then (laughs) long story short i settled on getting munster and i pivoted to kenny bromwich a bit of a pod move so i ended up trading out angus Crichton and also Stupidly, um, Ryan Hall, uh, which is, I'll go into that a little bit later with the team list, but yeah, not my proudest moment, unfortunately, but look, Kenny Bromwich, uh, I can't be too upset, he did what I expected him to do, scored well, a uh, bit of a pod move, super low ownership, so I'm, I'm happy with that, it's going to make a bit of coin, and uh, I'll, I'll shuffle him on when he's peaked in price, and I'll um, look for the next pod, basically. Look, Munster or Cam Smith, that was a bit of a toss-up in the end. Unfortunately, due to my trades, um, I thought it'd be smart to use you know, Ryan Hall to shuffle him out of... so shuffle Avarillo back from halfback to center wing and play him as my fourth center wing. In doing that, it meant um, I had to get Munster. Otherwise, if I got Cam Smith, I would have had to cop an AE, which for me would have been, uh, I think, Milford's 30. So, yeah, um, in the end, look, I think... I would have been better off getting Cam Smith, but I feel like my decision in terms of team structure made more sense in the end. But look, it is what it is. I'm not too upset with Monster 77 or whatever, and we'll see how that goes this week. But yeah, look, 12.23 for me in the end, which I think is pretty good. I t- I Captain Teddy, uh, Bear Captain Teddy, he went it all in. He got um, Brett Morris and also Orbo. and um, he had Ikevalu. So because the Roosters flopped, unfortunately... Yeah, a fair chunk of his team flopped as well, so not a good week for him. Uh, we all co- copped the Madison injuries, and I copped the Panga suspension, uh, not suspension, sorry, the Sinbin. So, yeah, a bit of a rough week, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, look, I was having a look at the overall rankings, first place. Look, he's flying up to a 233-point lead, so I think that's an extra almost 50 points from last week. Uh, sitting on 13,940 points, which... I mean, 
I've uh, honestly speaking, I'm sitting on twelve thousand one hundred and sixteen. I've never been this far behind first place at this stage of a season, and this is just testament to how bad I've been this year. So it's it's rough. I mean, I'm struggling to wrap my head around that because I've never been this far back. But look, first place has a five hundred twenty seven point gap to top hundred, uh, seven hundred twenty eight points to top five hundred. So that's flying. Uh, I was thinking back, you know, in my year where I had a pretty decent lead. I mean, at, at one point I was sitting at about 350 points. Uh, at the end of the, you know, the home stretch, so to speak, I probably came into uh, the about seven rounds to go. I had about 200 or so points as my lead. So, look, 233. We've got eight, nine rounds to go. It's certainly chaseable. Uh, and I think in the end, the my chase has got within 50, 60 points of me before I managed to peg it back a little bit at the end and then ended up winning by about 150, 160 points. So, look, it's... Especially with how high scoring it is this year, uh, with the blowouts we're having with the NRL and all that, yeah, certainly that gap is very much closable, but he's got a pretty good-looking team. So, good luck to the Chasers. Now, looking at our goals, I mean, pre-season, we always want to be top 500 or top 1,000. Currently, the cutoff for that is 13,115 points. So, Guy is about 670 points away from that. I'm slightly a bit further back, about 100, just under 1,000 points. So, again, not insurmountable, but it is a bit of a trek for me. But, like I said, I'm going to keep plugging away, and I'm doing my best to catch up. A uh, quick shout-out to Ben, the coach of Inparising, our top-ranked champ uh, from our Patreon. Still in the 400, so not a great week for him, but... Again, still plugging away and well within reach of a, a top 100 finish, if not better. Uh, on that note, quick shout-out again to our group comp, uh, sponsored by Supercoach Championship Rings uh, on Facebook or supercoachchampion.com. Uh, currently, Ben, still coach of Juice Gorillas, sitting in 8th overall. Uh, ben has been cruising as the top-ranked Supercoach there. And there's a couple of you know 20s, 30s, 40s in the group as well, so... Ben, don't get too comfortable, but look, you're in the cash. You're gonna get, you're gonna get some KFC. Look, I think it's great. Keep at it, mate. Uh, I'm really rooting for you. Hopefully, you're gonna take it out. And again, special for our listeners, SuperCoachChampion.com. Enter the promo code Champ C H A M P. You get 10% off those gorgeous rings and also free shipping. So get onto it. Uh, your SuperCoach League uh, or, or head-to-head comp or whatever it is, they're gonna love you for it if you put that one up as a prize. Anyway, um, look, another big week of injuries and drama. But as always, we've got an NRL physio here to help us sort through it all. So I had a chat to him a bit earlier today, pretty much about three hours before team lists were released. So, yeah, here it is, me catching up with NRL physio on all the injury wrap-up from round 11. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go, all right, round 11 is in the books. I'm here with NRL physio Brian, as always, catching up on the injuries. Look, uh, firstly, uh, I just saw your tweet before about what's been going on in 2020 about the overall in-game injury numbers. That's a really interesting reading about how there's not really too much difference between uh, the in-game injuries from previous years, but there's a lot more increase in longer-term major injuries Right. Tell us what 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 have um, what do you reckon that's come down to? Yeah, look, like it was really interesting. Like we all kind of had that gut feeling, right? Like everyone's kind of been talking to me, like, oh, surely this year, like, there's been more. Like 
at first it's more injury. So I did that sort of calculation a couple of weeks ago and we're actually a little bit down in terms of um, in-game injuries. I think after round nine, it was about 10% less in-game injuries than the last two seasons. But then there was kind of that whole, surely there's more sort of major injuries and the stats that I've sort of got access to um, from the last couple of years terms a major injury as like five weeks and above recovery. Um, so I went back and sort of had a look at the injuries from this year. And yeah, it's, it's increased quite considerably. I think um, sort of around four per round happened in uh, 2018, whereas about six and a half are happening this year. So look, I, like, I, I did an article if, um, if anybody's got a, a Telegraph sub or can get a hold of the paper. Um, I had a chat with Nick Campton yesterday about sort of all these factors and, and the way I described it, a um, bit of a soundbite, but like it's a bit of a perfect storm. Like, you know, you're looking at a, an unprecedented kind of, you know, global pandemic that has affected mm-hmm many industries um and look you know sport and and injury prevention and injury management performance isn't going to be immune to that so you know things like uh, we've talked on here in the past you know the quick turnaround from isolation to nrl training you've got a restricted bubble so there's not as many you know support staff in there you've got game day you know travel up and back that kind of thing so like all of those things sort of on their own probably aren't that big a deal. Like if you have one of those things happening, then you can probably, you know, counterbalance it. But when you just add them all up together, um, yeah, I'd say it's definitely contributing because we've seen, yeah, almost two and a half more, um, you know, longer term injuries every week um, than in previous years. It's not pr- pretty reading, but it's interesting to know, like the feeling that we get, obviously, of being super coaches we're looking at this every week we're trying to digest the injury news and what's been happening and all of that it generally has felt like it's been at a much higher rate than usual but mm. uh, obviously as you mentioned it, it hasn't been it's just that when they do get injured they're missing more weeks yeah, and it's been some longer, longer term. term yeah and I think that's, I think, probably props to, um, I know everyone was kind of blowing up a little bit, um, you know, at the, at the whoever the organisers are, whether it be Sangster, you know, pulling the strings about um, keeping the maximum trades and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's probably with the amount of sort of injury carnage and, you know, like uncertainty around the season, it's probably been a good thing to keep people engaged because um, I can see, you know, a lot of people sort of running out of trades pretty quickly um, with all these big injuries happening otherwise. Oh, 100%. And you can tell that all those complaints about us having too many trades, that's all gone dead silent with yeah. the way we're copping these longer-term injuries. Like Absolutely. Because, you, you know, they're, they're two, four, two, three, four, five weeks long, like you have to yeah. trade them out, especially when yeah, it's a shorter right. season, whereas in the past you might have copped it and just held it for a couple of weeks and, and, you know, tried to work through things elsewhere. But, no, it's certainly not the case this year. But, look, as always, let's work through uh, the games and see how it all shook out um, this week. So let's start start off, obviously, with uh, the the Thursday night game, uh, being the Eels and the Tigers. Uh, Look, Ryan Madison, probably the headline uh, injury here from a Supercoach standpoint. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So... You know, we, we talked in the past kind of jokingly about him missing six weeks after getting falconed um, mm. when he was at the Roosters, but this obviously carries with it a bit of concern now, given that he, I mean, we don't like to talk about it being a serious concussion or anything like that, but the immediate impact of it seemed quite severe in the sense that he couldn't, you know, he was jelly legs, basically. Yeah, definitely. 
Oh, look, I, I think the biggest thing for me is just his history, right? Like when you, as soon as you see someone like that, I mean, it's the same with someone like Sione Matautia, you know, like those kind of guys who've got that history, as soon as you see him get, get a head knock or go for a HIA or something, you know, you're sort of on the edge of your seat, or I certainly am anyway, because you just, you know, you know that that history's there and, and the brain is, a, it's a sensitive structure, unfortunately. Um, so and and then I think there was a report on so that was on Thursday and I was either Friday or Saturday that he didn't remember much of the game. Um, he was still like he had a few headaches and stuff like that. So look, definitely concerning. Um, obviously, we'll see whether he gets named today. Um, recording this before team list, but yeah, look, it, it is one of those ones. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Eels are a little bit conservative. I mean, we'll talk about Boyd Cordner lately, but like teams are, are getting quite good now at kind of just with those players, you know, who do have that history, just being a bit more cautious and being like, no, we'll give you, you know, an extra week um, just to sort of, you know, be on the safe side, which I think, yeah. you know, it's going to be the way moving forward with these, especially with these guys who've got that history. Um, you know, once you've got that history and, unfortunately once you've had one concussion you are more susceptible to get a second and once you've had a second you're more susceptible to get a third and it just kind of compounds one on the other on the other um so yeah you just look you the, you know that the teams are going to be safe and we've talked about here on in the past about you know each concussion's unique and, and you've got to treat each situation differently so you know and i mean we can talk about michael Cheekham in the same game like obviously yeah. so, like you talk about looking like a severe concussion like he was convulsing on the field um like very very graphic and 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 really really nasty to see now interestingly um and i've written about it in a a couple of places but those convulsions are not associated with severity of concussion so you can have convulsions you can have jelly legs you can have you know loss of consciousness all that kind of stuff That, that as we stand and the evidence that we have right now that doesn't correlate with the length of time it takes for that player to you know pass through the protocols and return to play so as nasty as it looks it's just that particular part of the brain that's affected as opposed to another you know another area in the brain which may present different symptoms um so it's the same with madison as you said we've talked about in the past him you know uh, getting uh like getting a falcon he passed the hia on that day and then presented with concussion symptoms later in the week then had six weeks off so it's just one of those things with with these concussions especially those with with the history that you there is some concern there and from a super coach perspective um, if he's not named this week it would be one where I wouldn't be hesitant to sort of to move him on especially once again we talk about short season we've got extra trades um, because look, he like you know, there's a there's a chance he might still be getting headaches next week. You know, you just you just don't know with concussions. Um, he could he could like you know he could also be named today. You just got to wait and see. But it is one of those ones that if he wasn't named today, it like I'd be pretty tempted to sort of move on to somebody else with the thought of getting Madison back. Um, you know, once he once he is back. Yeah, it's a tough one, especially if he is named, given that the Eels play in the second last game of the round. So yeah, I know. Yeah. we'll certainly need to uh, make some contingency plans there. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, Cheekham. Um, they have a shorter turnaround uh, because I think they're playing first game on the Friday. So yeah. still more than seven days. But obviously, as we've discussed in the past, there's those protocols 
They just yeah, have to go yeah, through and gonna, work I think the Tigers have come out and said that they're going to be cautious with him, which is yeah. which is fantastic. Um, you know, so I guess we'll see. I, I'd be surprised if he plays. Like even even though the the convulsing isn't you know indicative of of anything you know other than you know he has a concussion and has to play it, pass through the protocols. It's still something that you know you 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 just want to you know dot the i's and cross the t's and make sure he's all good. Absolutely. And also Adam Dewey, um, I believe he failed his game day yes, HIA. Yeah. So but, same uh, protocols, yeah. yeah we'll we'll just go through and, and see if he passes throughout the week. Yep, that's pretty much you know, all we can really say about concussion. Yes. Now, next game with the Cowboys and the Seagulls. So I think the Cowboys got off uh, relatively unscathed here, injury-wise. Yeah, I think there was there was one report I saw, and I, like, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but that um, the young half, is it Assey? Um, suffered like a knee or an ankle or something like that. Yeah. I did go back and saw he had like his knee strapped, um, but he seemed to play out the game. So I, yeah, I, I'd be pretty hopeful that there's nothing too major there. Yeah, and I guess with Michael Morgan back uh, next week yes. anyway, it's yeah, not really, yeah. yeah, not a huge no, deal. No, not there. an option. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on the Seagulls side though, um, similarly, I think no major injury concerns, but uh, we did obviously. Sorry, no, that's not correct. Joel Thompson, a uh, bit of an yes, ankle issue. Ankle. He went off quite early, didn't yeah, return. Yeah, it was pretty innocuous. Like, he he, did, he was travelling at a pretty high speed and sort of jumped up and came down. It, it did, it was more sort of that medial ankle, high ankle kind of, you know, the foot rolls to the outside, um, which do tend to, they tend to require a little bit longer recovery than if the foot rolls to the inside. Um, but the, the Seagulls on the day did say, look, he's he's available to return if we absolutely need him. Um, so, yeah, I, I look, even if he's missing this week, you'd be pretty hopeful that it's only a week um, and then he's back. All right. Then moving on to the next game, the Broncos and the Storm. So for the Broncos, I believe that um, injury-wise, it was just Milford who came in with that hamstring yep. uh, tightness and... It, I mean, to me, I thought like it certainly hindered his uh, yeah. his movement. He certainly didn't attack the ball. Not that you know we've seen a lot of it this year anyway. But <laughs> I, I mean, it, it to me like it looked like it was impacting him. Yeah, uh, like he just didn't seem. He didn't seem. Uh, well, he seemed reluctant to sort of really stretch out. Like I mean like whether you can blame it on, on his physical or mental sort of, you know, state, but like not reaching out to ca- get that kick that, you know, rolled 30 metres past him and stuff like that. Like stuff like that where you go, you know, if the hammy wasn't 100% and we've seen so far this week he's been um, uh, he, he's been training with the rehab group. So it's obviously not fantastic. And, I mean, we've talked, you know, countless times about how hammies aren't something that you muck around with. Yep. Especially when you're moving from five eight to fullback with increased running loads and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, look, I think it's definitely affecting him. I think if you've got him in classic, I mean, bad luck. If you've got him in draft, also bad luck. Um, I'd be sitting him this week. I, I can't see how you could play him, um, even if he's named. Absolutely, and I guess it's just more Harvard genius coaching there when you've got. <laughs> Sure, a uh, cooked Darius Boyd, but at least he's not dealing with a hammy issue. Yeah, that's right. Just blows the mind, doesn't it? Good times. <laughs> okay, so just with Matt Lodge, I believe he's had a, 
he's had a setback, but he, I think he did a different injury or something like that. Yeah, I think I think the wording on that was a bit off in that, like, the setback is is that the Broncos initially came out and they were like, he's been cleared of injury, and now it's like, well, actually, he's got a meniscus tear. So, yeah. like, I, I he would have had that from the start. Like, like, it was pretty obvious on the day, and then sort of, you know, going forward that there was a – like, I was shocked when they came out and said, like, he's all good, and then, and then he proceeded to not be named for, like, three weeks, you know. So it's like, well – there must be something there. Um, so he's just got a meniscus tear. Um, they're not, I think the thing is they're not sure, not 100% whether it's a fresh one or a, an older meniscus tear that he's kind of just aggravated. He is on the opposite leg to his um, partial ACL tear. Um, so, look, the, one of those ones you can avoid surgery. I mean, Milford um, had a similar injury last year and avoided surgery and returned within a couple of weeks, but they are pretty variable. Like, it can take up to sort of six to eight weeks to sort of return from those. Yeah. But it is it is a good thing for Lodge's, like, health. Like, people are like, oh, why isn't he getting surgery? It's much better for his long-term health to not get surgery on that kind of injury. Um, so if he can if he can avoid it um, in terms of long-term, it's, it, it's a lot better. So the Broncos are definitely taking um, a smart option there. I mean, who would have thought that not getting cut open and poked and prodded is probably better for your long-term health? <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, speaking of which, though, David Fafita, he did um, have a little bit of a clean-out, uh, as mentioned earlier, and he is potentially back this week. But, uh, I mean, we've talked about this before. We might have to have some concerns about his workload being managed initially. Yeah, definitely. I think, like, you know, especially you've had isolation and then you've had, you know, he's he had, obviously I think he only came out of the knee brace, um, you know, sort of four, four weeks back to training and stuff like that. So... Um, yeah, look, like you just, I, I'd just be surprised. I mean, look, obviously the Broncos aren't going fantastic at the moment, so whether they rely on him a little bit heavier than they usually would, but in terms of his physical capabilities, like you're gonna have, he's gonna have a couple of weeks to sort of get used to that, you know, contact and and gameplay and stuff like that. So I would, um, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be rushing back to 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 buy him straight away. Having said that, there's not much incentive for the Broncos to really have to look after him for the next couple well, of years. Well, and that's and that that's what I mean. Like, where like they're not doing good. They they obviously don't look. You know, you'd hope that all any club would look after any player under their banner. But um, yeah, look, it's it's one of those things where they could theoretically want to use um use as much of him as they can to try and you know get try and save Seabolt's job or something. You know, like that like that that could be um could be a real motivation. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen plenty of questionable interchange use, and who is to say Seaball wouldn't just leave him on the field for 80 minutes? Absolutely, 100%. Why not? Like you know, there's the, like yeah, there's there's absolutely, and I think what we when we talk about this kind of stuff, there, there's other factors, right? Like we talk about. Like I can only, I'm not a coaching expert or, a, you know, whatever, um, but like talking from a physical, physical standpoint and like they're, they're, there's just no way that he is at 100% fitness coming back. Like after that much time out, you, you mm. need time to sort of get not only physically, but mentally sort of back into the swing of things. Um, but, you know, there could be coaching influences that, that, you know, make that a moot point because they just throw him in there and, and, and leave him in there just because that's what the coach wants to do. So um, yeah. obviously take that into consideration. But physically, yeah, I think there'll be a little bit of time before he's back to 100%. 
All right, and just lastly, obviously the Broncos, um, they did have Tessie New go off uh, for surgery on his injured wrist. Yes. And he's yep. likely gone for the season. So Yeah, yeah. All great news. Yeah, this is going, going really well. But once again, look, like you've got to give the Broncos props. Like, you know, like that's another decision, like good for his long term, like getting it repaired rather than you could have it cleaned out and back in, you know, four to six weeks or something like that. Yeah. But getting the full repair done, it's great for his long, you know, great for his long term prospects. And um, yeah, so, you know, props to props to them for, for doing that. All right, and then on the Storm side, they did have a bit of an issue for Branko Lee with a broken hand, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about broken hands, but sometimes there's some bones different than others. But a lot of the little bones in the hand, you get like a surgery, you know, just sort of pins and plates in there to stabilize the fracture pretty quickly. And guys can be back in sort of two, three weeks, um, which is it looks like what the the storm expect for for Brenko. So he shouldn't be out for too long. Yeah, and he's certainly looking like. I mean, everyone looks good against the Broncos, but he's certainly warming to the task. Mate, I told you earlier the, in the year, mate, like he's in the centres. He sees origin. It's happening. Look, given the Queensland back line, <laughs> That's what I'm shortage saying. this year, it's going to happen. It's I'm all happening. for it. Yeah, Big, I, big Bank, Branko it. fan over here. <laughs> and uh, another outside back, Momorowski. Uh, the loan deal, it's over. He's gone. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a bit devastating. As someone said, where does he do his rehab at Storm or or back to the Tigers? But um, yeah, like like I think this is an interesting one, and we're kind of jumping a little bit forward, but it's probably worth mentioning now. What Momorowski had was a tendon injury in his hand, um, so he needed surgery on that. And, and look, they're usually about ten to twelve weeks, kind of even best case for those, because those tendons in the hand they're really really important for function. Um, so where we're jumping forward is that. That were like jumping forward to Charles Nickel Clockstad, like he had a compound dislocation of his finger, which is where the bone sort of comes out of the skin and leaves you with a bit of a wound and stuff like that, yeah. which is really looks really nasty. But if you're able to avoid any tendon damage or a fracture, generally you can return really, really quickly. And and, and like for, for Nickel Clockstad to only be expected to miss sort of one to two weeks with something like that, whereas, you know, a Momorovsky is out for 12 weeks with no dislocation but has just damaged a tendon in his hand. Um, it just shows you how... Once again, I mean, we talk about with concussions, you know, how nasty it looks at the start doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the severity. It's the same thing here, right? Like you see Charns like almost visibly shaking as he's coming off the field um, with blood pouring out of his hand and he's going to be out for two weeks. Meanwhile, Momorovsky kind of plays the game unassumedly, um, has a tendon tear in his hand, you know, probably thought nothing of it, probably thought he jarred it. Um, and next minute he's out for 12 weeks. So so these things, they, they can be sort of more or, or less than they appear. Very interesting. Like I said um, earlier, I mean, this is why we get you on to kind of sift through the, you know, the ugliness of the injury and, and actually get some spot on information about like the, the recovery times and when we can expect them back. So that's brilliant insight as always. So moving on, oh, sorry, last real quick, Cam Munster, I believe he came off for uh, HIA. Uh, I think he passed, but he just sat yeah. out the game anyway. Yeah, they just, yeah, just rest him. That's yeah. all I've heard, yeah. Nothing too serious. All right, on to the Warriors uh, and the Roosters. So I believe the Warriors um, came out of this unscathed. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no real concerns, good. which is great to yeah. hear. And on the Roosters' side, so they uh, had a bit of a concern for Ikevalu. Yeah, yeah, I think it was just cramps. 
He's, oh, right. he's okay. all the only that's the only things that I saw because um, he was struggling with cramps pretty heavily for the entire second half um, or seemed to be anyway yeah. all, the entire time he was out there. Um, I haven't I, I didn't I went back and had a look at the video and I didn't see anything too obvious um, whether he got a little strain in amongst there, you know, in amongst the, the cramps that could be possible um but yeah at the moment i'd treat it as cramps until until otherwise you know determined yeah there was a little whisper that he might be still in doubt for this coming week okay. and uh, ryan hall might get a bit of a run which well, is just perfect because i just sold ryan hall last week <laughs> <laughs> typical ryan of my season the titans oh man yeah typical of my season uh, and the other thing, I guess, with Cordner suddenly disappearing, uh, he suffered a head knock at training, and yeah. I think the word seems to be he might actually not just miss last week and this week, but there could be a couple more weeks as well. Yeah, look, the, like the Roosters have a real sort of, you know, I guess, uh, reputation for like treating these guys with their concussion concerns like really, really well. Like uh, we saw with Kiri last year. Um, you know, they, they sat him down for a month um, to, to really look after him, Madison, the year before. Um, and now Cordner, because Cordner had a, uh, um, had a concussion in the Storm game earlier this month. Yeah. Um, and then to sort of suffer another one, um, you know, in quick succession. I know he, like Cordner's already been ruled out for this week. And, and he, he was thankfully apparently doing better yesterday so on monday whereas late last week they said he was like had some lingering headaches and stuff like that so once again i'm sure they will be ultra conservative with him and just make sure he's all good because they'll need him for the finals right and we all know the roosters are going to make the finals so um you're better off just sort of looking after him as best you can at the moment and making sure that he's all good so um i know i picked up um tupanua in draft and i like i'm pretty you know confident that the He'll at least get this weekend, and then possibly another another few weekends, sort of starting on the edge. Yeah, very interesting there, and, and I think we've liked what we've seen from Tupanua, and it certainly felt like Kiri just kept going to him all, yeah, all game. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's really sure. good pick up there, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, mate, all over it. All that inside info, mate. I picked him up like three hours before anyone else, and even Look, you, you know. I didn't want to call it out on on a podcast, but mate, <laughs> you know it's it's getting too far. <laughs> uh, look, let's keep moving. Sharks and the Dragons. So for the Sharks, obviously big news here. Jesse Raymond firstly went down with a, a hamstring concern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, like thankfully it seems minor. Um, the Sharks seem to have uh, like a thousand hamstring concerns, unfortunately. Um, but the good news is is that they must have scanned his and, and sort of found no structural damage. Um, okay. So you still like you still wary of any you know, hamstring symptom. And I think his was just described as tightness, but that's still something that is concerning. I mean, I tweeted out a study last night that found that in um, one sporting competition, 90% of hamstring injuries that caused missed games were preceded by a niggle of some sort the week prior. Um, So, you know, players sort of would get an eagle and then the very next week would suffer a hamstring injury that would knock them out for, you know, weeks at a time. So those those tightnesses, you know, are grabbing, you know, a little bit of pain in a hamstring, even if there's no structural damage is something to be a bit um, a bit cautious with um so look whether whether the sharks have the you know the depth to sort of allow him to sit out another week i'm not sure but i think they are pretty confident that he'll miss one week at worst all right and the news not so good for the chad 
a bit of a torn calf, I believe. Yeah, it was a real weird one. Like I like I watched that like ten times over, and I just could not see anything. Um, he just kind of you know, went down and, and limped off, like not even from like pushing off or anything like that, which is usually, you know, like pushing up out of the line or, or pushing off to sort of start running is how you do a calf. Um, so a bit of a strange one, but grade two, unfortunately, which is a partial tear. So like four to six weeks, best case for that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so sharks will, um, yeah, they might be throwing Moylan back in the halves possibly. Uh, for what another 30 minutes or so until possibly yeah well at least look like the the thing is at least he has to do less running at, at in the halves like that 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 is the thing i mean we talk about Milf- milford with the hemi like you know for guys who do have you know those hamstring complaints like somewhere like the halves is much safer or much less uh, the injury risk is much less um sort of playing in the halves than at fullback yep and aside from that i think they also had sione katoa who went off late in the game with, a, with another head knock, yeah. and I think he ended up failing, um, which yes. is not good news because that's his um, second one in a fairly short period of time. So as an owner, I'm very uh, nervously watching that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, look, like as we've talked about, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, you with concussions you just got to – got to see how um you know see how it progresses over the week oh actually no and i just googled it as i was talking to you because i thought i'd read something this morning so nrl.com this morning winger sione katoa should be good to go having passed his hia test against the dragons so oh, perfect. all right yeah there you go it's so much better news perfect yes. thanks for checking that no worries um, on the dragon side so again more concussion concerns uh, yeah Adam Boone and yeah. also trent Marin. Both failed their game day HIAs, but yep. again, we've spoken Once about it. Again, Just got to pass yep. through the protocols. Yep, absolutely. Nothing else too dramatic there for them. Now, onto the Raiders. Uh, you obviously spoke about um, Chance, yep. Nickel Klockstad, so won't need to go over that one. And thankfully, you know, he, he could be back sooner rather than later. Yes. Uh, in terms of their other injury concerns, I don't think there was anything that stood out. Um, no, just ba- like Bateman might be back um, this week. Um, like similar sort of principle to uh, to Fafida in that, you know, like I'd be surprised if they kind of sma- um, you know, smash him really, really hard in his first week back. Um, although like like Fafida, they don't really have too much of a reason to, to not want to try and get the most out of him while they've got him. Um, so yeah, look like it, I just wouldn't expect him to be at a hundred percent, even if he is named and plays. Yeah, that's fair. Now on the Rabbitohs side, so they also had some dramas with concussions. So Alex yeah. Johnston uh, failed his game to HIA and, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, it was a weekend of concussions, man. There was heaps of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's in a bit of doubt, um, which obviously the timing of Latrell's return from suspension yes. could not yep. be better for them. Definitely. But, Outside of that, I think they got off pretty much scot-free with injuries. Yeah, there. I think Hammy Selly, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but yeah, he had a bit of a shoulder issue that um, Adam Reynolds said he might miss a couple of weeks for yesterday. No news on sort of what he's done, but yeah, um, I'm not sure if anyone's running with him, but yeah, like he, he'll be out a couple of weeks. Right, and then the next game with the Knights and the Bulldogs played in what looked like an absolute downpour in a yeah. bit of a swamp, so... Uh, not great news, right? So, firstly, yeah, Andrew McCulloch, yeah. gone for the season. I mean, I think I read that his hamstring torn off the bone. That sounds yeah, horrible. Like, 
super rare injury, funnily enough. Um, like it's all your hamstring muscles kind of insert up onto the back of your pelvis. Um, and he's torn that completely off. I mean, it was pretty violent. Um, he slipped pretty heavily and then had someone come down on top of him and kind of was in the splits. Um, the last time we saw this, uh, like Jared Mullen, I think, did it in 2016. Um, he had, like, just chronic hamstring issues, and eventually it just blew. But the most, like, if, if anyone sort of, you know, is listening who's been a footy fan for a while, the last sort of big one was Luke O'Donnell back in, like, 2007. He got wishbone. That was the big, you know, wishbone sort of drama, and um, yeah, ripped ripped his um, his hamstring off the bone, and he missed the entire year. Um, so look, usually it's around that three to four month mark uh, back to return to play. So I like I'd be very doubtful. It is quite a rare injury. I was talking to um, a doctor, and he sort of said, look, you know, it's one that we don't really see all that often. Um, but look, somewhere around that three to four month mark would be about right. And more bad news for Connor Watson, who can't seem to stay fit with um, an Achilles injury. Yeah, mate. Like, another one, super rare. Like, this is one that we don't see all that often. The last one, I think, here was 2017, which was um, Kurt Baptiste. So, you don't, you certainly don't see Achilles ruptures all that often in the NRL. Um, So, yeah, so he'll require surgery and it's at least five months sort of recovery. So, he'll, um, he'll be aiming for 2021. And I think a bit of a sneaky one, Sione Mataria uh, went off of a knee injury late in the game. Yeah, yeah, no, or? nothing yet. Um, I had a look. The, the, they only had sort of, because he tried to kind of play on with it, and, and those ones are hard to sort of figure out because usually they don't like do a slow motion or a close-up sort of view of it. So it was just kind of the game footage, and, and he was just in a bundle of, of bodies. Um, so you couldn't really see what happened to it. Um, so, yeah, we're not really sure. We're going to have to wait for the, for the Knights to come out with something there. And over on the Bulldog side, I think generally no concerns there, which is yeah, good news no, for them. Yeah, all good, all good for them. Now, in our last game, we've got the Titans and the Panthers, and the good news, I think, generally speaking, no concerns. Yeah, I think both. Both were all good. Yeah, look, I, I said to you sort of off air, like it was a, apart from that, like that Knights game, um, like like it was it was actually a relatively okay weekend for for injury numbers. Um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't too many um, until yeah until those two uh, Knights hookers went down. Yeah, and it's de- devastating for the Knights, yeah. obviously, given oh, the well. bad luck in that position this year. Definitely. All right. Well, look, thank you again for going through all of that with us. It's just really great to get um, your, your knowledge and expertise. And uh, look, <laughs> still got a couple more weeks to come, I bet, but it'll be good. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, yeah, mean, it's, um, I do have to ask one thing, though. I mean, Alex Twal. Oh, update, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I actually, I have a, a, an update is that he's going to get named today. I, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just saying it because it's going to come true. I just know it's going to come true. Don't know for sure. Come on, mate. You really got to We know. <laughs> yeah, Stop look, I was, talking, I was talking to Alex's mother and his <laughs> brother. Like, you know, I've got all the inside Inside scoop, and yes, like I, I'm saying it now at 1.10 p.m., that at 4 p.m. this afternoon, he will be on the team list, and I will cry if he isn't, I think. Yeah, because you're going to get jammed another one. And that's exactly time. why I will cry, yes. Uh, all good. All right, thanks, mate. We'll catch cool. up with you again next week. <laughs> no worries, mate. Talk to you then. Stephen, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. 
Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. Except you, you and you. All right, looking at the round 12 team list. So there's a fair bit to get through. Starting off with the Thursday night game, we've got the Dragons and the Rabbitohs. For the Dragons, they've got Adam Clune and also Trent Merrin, both sitting out this week due to uh, concussion. They're going to miss a week. So this sees Ben Hunt move back to halfback. Cam McInnes goes back to starting at hooker. And we've got Jackson Ford coming off the bench to start at lock. Jordan Pereira is also back from suspension and replaces Jason Saab on the wing. Uh, same deal with Tariq Sims, uh, which pushes Tyrell Fuyimayono back to the bench. And we've got Tristan Saylor adding, uh, being added to the bench as an outside back. So uh, for the Dragons, I think you know the the change of Hunt back to halfback and also Cam McInnes to hooker. I think that the biggest impact on that is obviously. Um, I think Cam McInnes. We've seen as a starting 13, he seems to score around that 60 to 65 mark thereabouts. The moment he started playing minutes at hooker again, uh, the you know his scores went back to that really high um, 75, 80 plus average. So look, I think this week McInnes is a great option. Just know that it's going to be a little bit um, unreliable in the sense that if, when he goes back to lock, there's every chance he's going to drop back to the mid 60s as an average again. So I think if you're going to grab him, enjoy the points this week, but just keep that in mind on a a long-term basis. Given the concerns about, say, Madison, the fact that Angus Crichton's out, I think a lot of people will look uh, look at getting McInnes for that back row depth um, and obviously premium points this week while he's playing at hooker for the 80 minutes, minutes you'd expect. In terms of the Rabbitohs, they've got Latrell Mitchell coming back from suspension. Uh, that sees Alex Johnston go to the wing and Corey Allen drops out. Liam Knight and Patrick Mago return on the bench with Jack Johns and Hammy Selly uh, missing out this time. So obviously Latrell back is big. Um, I've managed to accidentally, <laughs> for better or for worse, I've held Latrell through his suspension. So that's a bit of a bonus for me. Looking at obviously the Dragons this week, you know they've been doing pretty well, but they still have been leaking a lot of points. So that's good news for Latrell. And then you look at his upcoming draw for the next two weeks. It's pretty good in that um, after the Dragons this week, he gets to face the Broncos and then the Cowboys. And I think it's safe to say neither of those teams are flying high uh, amongst the worst defensively. So look, I don't mind Latrell as a bit of a three-week pod. He's been pretty bad, but those are pretty tough games he struggled in just before his suspension. So... Uh, for those of you who have uh, f- fellow sufferers, <laughs> I think three weeks of Latrell and then flick him because I don't think you can hold him for that end of season run for the Rabbitohs. Uh, in terms of other options, I mean, Cody Walker, I think you know what you're getting with him. He's just going to count on those um, attacking stats. Again, similar to Latrell, three weeks, pretty good run. Not a bad pod if you have that. Now, Damien Cook, I know a lot of people were thinking of Smith or Cook last week. Um, Smith was obviously the right answer. Cook, you know, 52. You can't be upset at whatever he ended up on. Uh, it's not, not a flash score, but you can't be upset with that. Uh, I think Cook's going to go really well in the next three weeks, and I still stand behind. I thought Smith would be the better, lo- you know, across the season um, purchase last week, but I thought Cook was going to be the better four-week purchase, off, mainly off the back of this game and the next two rather than last week's game uh, against the Raiders. So, 
Uh, I think Cook's a great option. Um, playing Thursday night, great VC option as well. So I do like that. Now, I wouldn't be able to talk about Cook without giving uh, Murray a bit of a shout-out because he, since moving back to Locke and especially the last five rounds, he's been really going quite well. Uh, I think he's a great purchase this week. And again, you know, vice-captain option, especially if you don't have Cook or space for Cook because you've got Smith and Grant or whatever. Look, hedge your bets a bit. Get Cam Murray, who's going to score well and might get Jag a try or two in the next coming couple of weeks. Now... I should mention Bailey Sirinan as well. So, obviously, he has gotten the starting job from Ethan Lowe. He started last week, but unfortunately, he ended up playing in the centers because of um, the injury um, to, to Alex Johnston. They had the reshuffle of their back line. So, that meant Jack Johns ended up coming on and playing, for the most part, most of the game on the edge. Now... Sirinan here, I think if he gets to play bulk minutes, I don't, I'm not sure he plays 80. That's my biggest question mark there, because I think that's going to be Jaden Sewer. That's a more experienced player by now. He'll get 80. Uh, we know, um, you know, the Koala Tongue, Keon Kaloa Matangi. He is an edge as well as a, a middle. And with a four forward bench, I think if um, Bailey Sirinan struggles at all, uh, he might get a bit of a spell or they might shift Murray up there for 20, 30 minutes, whatever. So I think, you know, you can take upon him as a bit of a a cow if you really need to generate more cash, but I wouldn't be playing him in my 17 if I could avoid it. Just did it out in certainty. Uh, in terms of... Um, sorry, I probably shouldn't have jumped ahead so quickly from the from the Dragons to the Rabbitohs. I just felt there's more I wanted to talk about with the Rabbitohs. But yeah, back to the Dragons. Look, Zach Lomax, I mean, he is just flying at the moment. Um, for those who held, obviously, you made the right choice. For those who sold... Look, I don't think you can buy him right now at that price tag, but I think you want him before the end of the year. So maybe in the next after the next couple of weeks, let it let that um, score cycle out of his three round rolling average. Let him drop a bit in cash and then jump on because he's in great form. Center is his best position from the sounds of it right now, and the Dragons they're scoring more points, so Lomax is getting more goal kicks and he's a pretty good kicker. So yeah, I love it. Uh, I mean, Matt Dufty, sneakily, has been a really good option at the back. He's actually outscored some of the more fancied names. Uh, but, you know, how do you fit him in? Like, it's just too risky. Um, but if you had him, you did well, basically. And uh, Ewan Aitken, I thought, was a bit of a budget kind of, you know, budget option for the Dragon Centers. Obviously, Lomax was the guy you wanted to have, but if you didn't have Lomax, I thought Aitken a couple of weeks ago would have been a great purchase. Probably a little bit too expensive for my liking now, and he doesn't have the... He's got a great base, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have the goal-kicking floor. And the way the they're playing right now, I mean, I thought Norman and Lomax have started to really get a bit of a, a combination going, especially Dufty as well, working quite well with Lomax on that right edge, so... It'll be interesting to see what happens this week. But uh, with Ben Hunt, you know, he's not known to be great at setting out his outside men. Uh, I think as a Broncos fan, I watched that for a long time. So uh, I don't know if that's going to happen this week. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes or how long this kind of new setup lasts until uh, we see Clune back in the lineup and Hunt back to hooker. Now, with the Friday night game, we've got the Tigers and the Warriors. So for the Tigers, they've got, finally, Alex Twall. 
returning at lock and Luke Garner back into the back row on the right edge as well due to concussion. Um, Oliver Clark starts at prop for the suspended Russell Packer, while Cheekham, obviously, you know, it looked horrible on the field, but as per my discussion with NRL Physio, sounds like he's going to be fine and uh, he's just going to be given the week off just to make sure he's okay. Now, that sees Sam McIntyre drop back to the bench and yeah, I mean, I kind of flagged this earlier on. I thought Eisenhuth was going to drop out as soon as Twall was back. I feel like he and Twall are quite similar as players, and you can't really have both in the team at the same time. They just do too much of the same thing, and you know, you're better off having the shorter minute, more impactful players like your McKayleys and, and those types of guys. So he, uh, McKayleys back on the interchange as well after recovering from a knee injury. And yeah, I think with the... Extended bench, obviously Josh Reynolds now selectable again. Alex Seafarth was, you know, he, he got a couple of runs off the bench earlier in the year. But I think uh, it, we've seen McIntyre um, overtake him in the pecking order and already, like, Sean Bloor, what a debut he had. Uh, look, he looked really, really good. So um, excited to see what he does in the second game. Um, he, he looks like a real prospect for next year even. But, uh, yeah, with the Tigers, I mean, Nofaluma, I think... If you don't have him, this is a great week to get him because you look at the next three games for the Tigers. Um, look, you've obviously got the Warriors with them missing a number of players now. And then they'll have Knights next week, which, I mean, it's okay. It's not fantastic. But then the Bulldogs after that. So comparatively speaking, I think that these next three weeks are great for the Tigers. But then round 15 onwards, right? This is the, the run home from hell. Roosters, Eels, Seagulls with Tommy Turbo back by then. Rabbitohs, and that's going to be their easiest game of the last six games uh, because then the last two rounds, Storm and then the Eels again. So not saying that the the Tigers can't score well and, and do well, especially enough Luma. He's been doing well all season. But, I mean, Bear has pointed out that he seems to you know, not be as effective, ultimately, uh, against the better teams. And those last six rounds you're seeing a lot of the best teams in the comp so that's going to be a bit of concern but I think absolutely jump on for this week next week the week after three weeks kind of a bit like Latrell and then flick him on and and you'll be you know able to swap him for anybody um in the center wing position because he's going to be you know scoring well making money and uh, I'm quite quite keen on seeing trying to do that myself this week if I can uh, he's Nofo is one of my highest uh, priorities if I can get him this week. Now, um, obviously, some of us who own Tommy Talao, I think just let him make some coin, probably flick him in the next couple of weeks as well, similar to you know getting rid of Nofaluma. And then by then, hopefully, he's going to be a straight swap to you know maybe an underpriced back that you could look at. Um, Billy Walters, I think, one more week, and then you can give him the flick and cash him in or upgrade him to someone at hooker or someone at in, in the halfback position. Um, Harry Grant's an interesting one, obviously. He's just been an absolute gun all year, but I genuinely feel, you know, maybe not this week, but in the next couple of weeks, selling him is going to be a legitimate option because, you know, even though when he plays 60, 65 minutes, he's still getting gun scores because he's fighting those attacking stats, but the fact that he's off the field for 15 minutes, whereas you've got the likes of... Cam Smith and Damian Cook, and you know for the most part Appy Corosau, these guys who are on the field for 80 minutes, they've got the opportunity. They've got just as much upside when it when it comes to the ball and attacking with the ball in hand. 
yeah, it makes sense if you got 15 minutes extra on the field as much of a, a gun that Grant is. I uh, definitely think you're pro- probably better off selling, especially when you're looking at that last six rounds where attacking stats might be a bit harder for Grant to come by. So, yeah, I think that's probably how I'd look at the Tigers um, for the remaining r- remainder of the season. Uh, obviously, Lucy, Leilua, you know, let him peek and then sell him. <laughs> It'd be great to be able to straight swap him to... I think you could potentially swap him from Cam McInnes for not much cash at all. So that's just... That'd be amazing if you had him still. And uh, again, like per what NRL Physio said, don't expect too much from Twal first week back. Uh, it is a bit of a... You know, looking at that bench, there's a potential for big minutes. But, um, you know, unless Twal is superhuman and, and in super fit condition... I wouldn't expect him to play 80 minutes or anything like that, and in fact, maybe 60 is about what he's going to get, which is pretty much what Eisenhoop was getting. So, yeah, I think, though, looking at the end of the season, I think 12's got a great option because he's going to make so many tackles, and when he's back to full fitness, he's going to be on the field making so many tackles. So, yeah, I like that. Now, for the Warriors, obviously, they've copped a pretty big loss. Um, Fisitua, Marmolo, gone back to... New Zealand, and they're obviously the starting wingers, and, and that they are a huge loss, especially Mormolo coming out of trouble in his own end. It's going to be a huge loss for them because they don't have anyone else who does it. Like RTS is a beast and, and will always take a hit up out of yardage, but no one, like Fusatua's never been that guy. And you look at George Jennings, maybe he will. He's had some games for the Eels where he has made about 25 runs in one game, so there might be that potential there. Uh, but yeah, it's not. Not great, because, uh, you know, the likes of Pompey, Herbert, they're not exactly based at beasts, and they're no Ken Marmolo, basically. So, yeah, yeah, sorry to jump ahead there. So, Patrick Herbert starts in one wing, George Dennings onto the other, and uh, fellow low-knee Dan Alvaro comes in onto the bench, and he replaces Isaiah Papali. And Wade Egan comes back, he gets to um, sit on the bench, Carl Lawton gets to start yet again. Uh, with the um, the other Loney who's extended this day, Jack Hetherington gets a start at prop next to Young Maney, and you've got Katoa, Tohu Harris, and Jazz Tavanga forming the back row again. So I think with the Warriors, I mean Jazz Tavanga, you know the the hype is there, people are keen, but his minutes weren't quite there last week, and you know I think he he is, what somewhere around fifty two, fifty three points, which. It's fine, but it's not what you want. You want 70s from Jazz, so I think I will just wait and see. Let Jazz play 60, 65 minutes before you jump on, because until he gets that, I don't think he's going to get quite the scores we're looking for. And, I mean, Toho Harris had another great game, but he's not playing lock anymore, and that's a concern. Uh, so, I don't think you can pay the price he's at at the moment. Um, on the other hand, Elisa Katoa, on that left side, I mean, Nick and Rima and he seem to have a pretty good combination. And, you know, Cody, for all his faults, and what he is, is he's creative. And he likes attacking with the ball in hand. And, you know, he, he can set up his outside players. So uh, I like Katoa being able to play off him. Um, but, you know, you're just going to hold him, let him max out. And I think once he does, you probably will consider what you want to do. I mean... He probably is an okay hold for the season. The Warriors' draw is not horrible. It's just the un- the unknown for me is what happens right now. Like, 
obviously, you know, they've got the Tigers, the Seagulls, probably without Tommy Turbo, so that's better. And then the Panthers, but then the Bulldogs, Knights, Eels, Sharks, Raiders, and the Seagulls again with um, Tommy Turbo. So actually, on, on second thoughts, that's a pretty tough run for the Warriors. So yeah, look, I'd probably stay away. Um, sell these guys when you can, basically. All right, let's keep moving. Um, the Broncos, great. <laughs> and the Sharks, this is Friday night. Uh, Friday night footy, maybe the Broncos will remember how to play. Uh, but at Suncorp, but look, <laughs> first thing, I look on that team list and I see Darius Boyd at fullback, and that's never a good start. But look, Croft is out with a shoulder injury. Uh, believe it or not, I think that improves the team. Uh, the question mark, obviously, is how Milford and Dearden work together again. Uh, this is something I, you know, I've mentioned to some people, but when Dearden and Milford played together last year in the halves, Dearden, even as a debutant, he looked really good, uh, much better game manager, uh, solid in defense for such a young kid. They played four games together where he was Dearden wasn't injured, and they won three and, and lost one game, and the, the one game they lost was Dearden's debut. So, in in those scalps that they took out was the Roosters um, before Origins, so they were pretty much full strength, and yeah, I think it was a pretty good win for the Broncos, and it seems like an eternity ago, and look, I I, I wanted Dearden and Milford to be the halves pairing, I never wanted Croft signed, so I really hope they can put in a, another improved performance here, because I genuinely, I want to see Dearden get that spot over Croft. <laughs> Anyway, this is not a Broncos podcast. I could go on constantly if I can, uh, if I keep going. But yeah, look, um, we also have Turpin back in uh, because Darius Boyd moves to fullback. Richie Kennard is on the wing. Herbie Farmworth moves in from the wing to center. Uh, Isaac looks back from suspension and he gets to join the bench. That sees Tyson Gamble drop out. Corey Pax moves from starting hooker to the bench and Jamil Hopawati. Drops out as well, and Ethan Bullimore no longer being loaned to the Raiders is now back on the bench. So, yeah, it's um, and sorry, Reese Kennedy's still on the bench, which is not great. I don't like him. Uh, he he is just uh, he struggles with this rock defense so much. But look, this team here. I mean, what can I say? Like they're they're gross, and I just think this might actually be one of the better teams they put out for a while. Just because Brody Croft isn't in there, <laughs> I know that seems so bad, but like, honestly speaking, Croft is he's like half the tries pretty much, or, or 45 percent of the tries have been conceded on that right edge, and a lot of it stems from Croft's bad initial reads. Stags on that side is no good as well. He's he's great with ball in hand, but he's one of the worst defenders in at center, and yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a punish there. So. Uh, with Dearden on the right side, I think that might actually help, assuming Dearden moves over and Milford plays on the left again. But obviously Milford still has the question mark over himself as well. Um, yeah, look, I'd avoid playing Broncos if you can. The only guys you'd play, obviously, Payne Haas, assuming he's fit. I don't think there's too much to him being in the rehab group. Uh, Pangai Jr., I mean, you've got to play him if you've got him. Uh, otherwise, you know, the, the one time you sit him out, he's going to turn up, and that's exactly what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And Carrigan, he's on fire. With that bench, I think Carrigan's going to have another big game, plenty of minutes. So, yeah, I'd stick with those guys. Uh, Turpin's a little bit interesting because, obviously, you know, he, he hasn't played for so long. And I, 
I do feel, I mean, he's actually, he was the best hooker at the club. And since he's gone down, like that's been, I have to say, that's contributed to our struggles when we've tried to plug in Isaac Luke and Corey Pax and yeah, even Tyson Gamble, who's just, he's not a hooker. So these guys having to play in, in, you know, one of the most important positions on the field. Yeah, I think it sums up a lot, right? Um, over to the Sharks. Obviously, the Sharks lose the Chad Townsend um, due to his calf injury. Connor Tracy comes in to replace him, and uh, Josh Dugan's back, and he replaces Goodwin in the centers. Nakora's back from suspension, so he gets to jump back into his usual spot. Toby Rudolph starts at lock, and that means Talakai and Jack Williams back to the bench. Having said that, Rudolph was named at lock last week, and there was a leg swap of Jackie Williams to the starting lock position, but, you know, Rudolph still got 60 minutes off the bench, so I think looking at the bench this week, uh, with there being four forwards, and, you know, there was, uh, Connor Tracy was sharing minutes with Blake Braley, for example, last week, so that's probably not going to be the case this week, and that obviously I think that means Rudolph probably gets less minutes as to the rest of the forwards, generally speaking, but it'll be interesting because obviously Talakai... Um, you know, he's been a bit playing on the edge, played at centre, play, playing in the middle. Uh, Teague Wilton, I think, is more of an edge back rower. And, you know, does that mean we might see a bit of Wade Grant going to lock? Uh, which I think that's been flagged for quite some time and, and it might actually happen this week. Um, in terms of the Sharks, I mean, Sione Katoa, that right wing, continues to see him scoring tries. And. Yeah, I mean, if you've got him, you, you continue to ride those prize rises. I wouldn't mind grabbing him this week, even though the left wing's where you want to be for opposition players against the Broncos' right edge. But, you know, it's not like the left edge is, is going to leak points anyway, uh, especially now that, you know, that <laughs> the Darius-Milford combination is, is gone. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, look. The Broncos are gross, so if they can seize points, the Sharks can rack up a score. I'm going to vice-captain Sean Johnson. You could straight-captain him if you want. I think he's going to be the main man. He might see You might see him play both sides a lot more because Chad Townsend's not there to take the pressure off Connor Tracy. Um, yeah, look, I think uh, if you've got Ramian, look, if he's fit, you've got to play him against the Broncos, but I'd be a little bit nervous with him having that hamstring problem. So just, yeah, keep that in mind. Uh, yeah, look, let's keep moving. Roosters and Titans, first game on the Saturday. <laughs> with the Roosters, obviously, Brett Morris out for, it seems like, at least a couple of weeks with this uh, back issue, vertebrae issue. I don't know the specifics. We didn't get that information before uh, my chat with NRL physios. So, look, Ryan Hall, like I said, I sold him last week. Very frustrated. I didn't want to, and then I thought, oh, look, I should just sell it so I have more cash ready for this week's trades. And that's fine. It, it, it's, it's helpful there, but it would have been much more helpful to have sold. You know, I've got Tessie New sitting there rotting. Um, I wouldn't have gotten as much cash for it, but I would have been able to play Ryan Hall this week against the Titans at the SCG. And, you know, someone's going to score some tries. It, it might as well be Hall, finally. I think they're going to try their best to get him over the line. <laughs> I know that, that's been a bit of a running joke, but I honestly feel uh, they the Roosters might actually try and make him... Uh, score a try and finally break that duck and you know is anybody not captaining Teddy I think he's a pretty safe option right against the Titans who always struggle against fullbacks 
Um, you know, if you've got a rooster, you're playing them this week. I think Flano's the great shout if you want to pot up a little. Um, that dual position, the fact that he's got this dream run um, with the Roosters, you know, he's going to score 20, 30 points in base, maybe 20 points in goal kicks. And then the moment he gets an attacking stat, he's looking at 70 plus as a base baseline and, you know, one or two, and then he could raise the bat like he did earlier this year. So, yeah, look, I think uh, Flano's a great shout. Uh, don't get too discouraged by the score last week. I mean, it was really wet and the, the Warriors turned up and the Roosters were off. And the Roosters aren't going to be off too often. So I think it could be a bit of a bounce back this week. Um, as, yeah, they're going to turn it on, basically. So Kiri, I think, again, you know, it would be a pod at that 5 back position. Personally, not the type of player I like to stomach. He, his base is just, yeah, it, it's it's a, bad, a bit of a punish sometimes. And when he misses out on attacking stats because there's so many other players there like it, it does hurt like he only scored 20 I think last week so that's that's Kiri for you um, in that pack I mean obviously Orbo he, decent score can't complain about that but you hope he's going to get some upside he might get that this week uh, Tupanua is a bit of an interesting one with Cordner apparently missing a couple of weeks uh, Kiri was really trying to feed him Tupanua last week and I think if he keeps doing that, he's going to score more tries. Um, he could have scored more than one last week. So, yeah, certainly I don't mind him. He's nice and cheap. I think he's under 300 grand. And he's going to go up in price. So, kind of like my punt on Kbrom last week, I think Tupanil is a good shout this week if you want to downgrade but still have someone playable in your 17. Um, otherwise, yeah, look, I won't get too excited. We're still going to see Angus Crichton come back into this team. And obviously, the Sunnyville Williams. Um, yeah, we'll see see how that shakes out when that finally happens. Then for the Titans, you've got Keegan Kitgrave returning in the second row. Sam Stone drops the reserves, and Sam Lasone comes on and replaces Jai Whitbread in on the interchange. So the Titans look. I mean, you're not going out of your way to get any Titan at the moment. Um, for those who jumped the Fodawaka, he's gone off the boil a little. Uh, some of it, I think, was injury related, but. It's a, it's, I don't know if he's finally hitting a wall or whatever it is, but it's starting to, you know, it reminds me of when he was struggling with injuries last year with that wrist issue he was playing through. Uh, like, we never knew he was playing through a wrist issue until the end of the season. So I wonder if that's happening again. There's this injury that he's just sucking up and playing through, but it's impacting his work rate. So that's a bit of a question mark there. Um, Jai Arrow, I mean, it seems like he's just going to give you, say, 55s, 50s now and then, 60s now and then. Uh, I think, you know, if you can upgrade him, great. If you're not, like, he's certainly not a priority trade-out at this point in time. But, yeah, I think that's all I'd want to really talk about from the Titans there. Um, the Cowboys and the Raiders. For the Cowboys, they do have Lemulu returning at center. Mitch Dunn goes to the bench. Jordan McLean's back from his injury which sees him start back at prop, and Francis Molo is returning to interchange, but with Josh Maguire, I think he just copped a wick um, at the judiciary, so I would imagine Molo is going to be back uh, starting there, which means, um, I mean, maybe Asiata finally will be fit, he'll jump on, or we might see Ben Hampton come back in and be that uh, utility that um, the Cowboys seem to love running out. And interestingly, I mean, Ruben Cotter has dropped out altogether. So I don't know if that was injury or whatever, but I guess we'll see Reese Robson go back to his 80-minute ways after yeah a bit of a break from that. Now, 
I mean, if you don't have Tal Malolo, I think you've got to get him. <laughs> like, he's he's going to play more minutes, especially with Maguire out this week and McLean just coming back from injury. And, yeah, like, I think he's going to be a really safe option. You could captain him for sure. Um, but, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how he's used for the rest of the season with, obviously, a bit of a change in coaching. Um, in terms of the, the rookie, the, the, the mustard, Dijon, um, RC, he is... It's meant to be in some doubt, but he's been named. Look, I wouldn't bother. I mean, you could jump on as a bit of a nuff if you really need someone to play, but Michael Morgan's due back next week. So if that's the case, you could see Arcee end up on the bench, which will be horrible. He will be that Ben Hampton-like um, AE nightmare. So if you don't want to be burned like that, I'd probably skip Arcee altogether. And jumping over to the Raiders, obviously they've got CNK, Chance Nickel, Clockstad. Uh, missing at least one or two weeks with uh, his finger injury. Rapana uh, will jump back to fullback, and then Curtis Scott gets another chance at center, and Kotrick will shift back to the wing. So I assume, just like uh, previously, Kotrick left wing beside Croker. Curtis Scott and the rookie, Valame, uh, might be that combo on the right edge, which kind of is a little bit scary, isn't it? But to, to assist them, they do get John Bateman finally back, Named to start on that right edge. Um, I mean, I would assume it's the right edge. Elliot Whitehead's usually the left edge guy. And Hudson Young moves to lock, uh, which I'm a little bit surprised by. I thought Tarpane would be there or even Sutton. Uh, I haven't seen Young play much in the middle, so that's a bit of a interesting one there. There are still some question marks here, I believe. Uh, Josh Papali, Papali I mean, uh, has gotten his uh, his vaccine or at least sorted out some sort of exemption. So he should be right to travel, but Tarpane, I think, is not clear yet. He may not be able to travel to Queensland. So keep an eye out on that if you've got him. And uh, I mean, Tarpane was really good off the bench last week, played big minutes, but had a huge impact. So I think that that would be missed. Now, um, Starling is coming off the bench and playing decent minutes there. Havili moves to lock. Um, or just, you know, it moves into the middle to defend while Starling comes on and plays hooker. So I wonder if, you know, that's going to continue. They both end up playing about 50, 60 minutes each uh, and sharing that role a bit. So, yeah, I don't mind that interesting kind of shuffle there. But obviously, you know, Sticky's just got to make things work with all the injuries he's got at the moment. Having said that, we do see CHN come in for the first time onto the bench so it'll be interesting to see how he's going to be used given he's traditionally an edge back rower so yeah whether that we see a bit of a shuffle or whitehead goes to lock or whatever yeah, that'll be interesting to see what they do with chn there uh look i'll keep it moving the seagulls and the panthers this is a saturday night game this is going to be at lotterland so obviously always good for the seagulls there still no tommy tobo unfortunately but they've got jack goshevsky replaced by sean kepi on the bench Dylan Walker is named on the extended reserve, so that's a bit of an interesting one um, because I really like Kate Cust at 6. I thought he really played well last week, but I don't know. Every time I see him play at 6 uh, next to DC, I feel like that actually is probably the best calves pairing, and that means Dylan Walker can go back and play center where he's, I think, he's better. So, you know, I'm not I'm not Des Hazel though, so it'd be interesting to see what he does there. Uh, aside from that, I mean, you know, you've got You've got Tapal, you've got Vanilla Blake, and Jack Dvojevic. You know that those are the guns to go for. Curtis Sirenin, though, I think when when the matchup's right, he's a great pod to pick and choose to play. So 
I've mentioned in the past, and I think Bears has talked about this as well, but that last four rounds for the Seagulls are probably the best in the comp. So they are a real target for late season pod. So keep some trades up your sleeve. I'm sure all of us will still have some by then before the last four rounds, but plan ahead uh, to maybe get one of them. Uh, even jumping on like a guy like Ruben Garrett with goal kicking in that last couple of rounds there, you could see him score and you know Tommy Tober will be back by then so you might need to find space for him so yeah just things to keep in mind obviously we're only in round 12 so this is a good month or so away but never too early to plan right uh, aside from that I mean, DC himself would be a great pod at that back end too but he's been on pretty good form up until last week where obviously Cust took over and got the bulk of the attacking stats in that game uh, I mean, not much else to really focus on here for the Seagulls. So, jumping over to the Panthers, they've got Kakao back in the back row. Tyron May drops back to the um, to the interchange, and Burton drops out. Burton didn't get in the field anyway. Uh, now, interesting to note, Apikosau and also Charlie Staines, two names lurking on the extended bench. Um, Staines obviously had a blinder of a debut, and it's interesting that MWZ, Malakai, Bettini, and Selesniak sitting on... Um, you know, in the outside backs at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if Staines comes in and replaces him, assuming he's obviously cleared his quarantine and everything's all above board there. Or, yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore Staines, how good his debut was, right? Um, so, that'd be interesting. Uh, Luai, Cleary, I mean, if you got them, you're holding them. Luai, I don't, I think you're probably okay to sell him, even though he outscored Cleary this week. I think on the whole, Cleary's the guy you want to have. Luai, you know, he's going to get those good weeks, and when he doesn't get those attacking stats, his floor is definitely much lower than Cleary. Uh, I know some people who might want to move Luai onto a Munster or a, a, a Sean Johnson or someone like that, but, you know, he's been good for people for a long time. Um, you know, looking at that pack again, I mean, Isaiah Yo just keeps getting it done, and... You know, as a non-owner, I just kind of think, why? Why have I not gotten by now? But there's always someone else who's a bit more shinier and more, um, you know, more upside, more attractive to, to trade in. But, you know, sometimes you just got to get the guy, get get Isaiah Yo and then just be happy with that. So, yeah, you can't deny the form. It's been there all season. The minutes have been a little bit up and down lately. But, yeah, he went back to it and had a, had a great game again last week. Can't fault his form at all. Now, Fisher-Harris, his minutes obviously are fluctuating a fair bit, and it impacts his scores. Look, I wouldn't get too fussed if you got him in last week. I think he's still going to average 65-70. It's just going to be a bit of an up-and-down thing, so you'd probably just want to play him every week because there seems to be no real prediction to whether he's going to get bigger minutes or not. It just depends on injuries, depends on how the scoreline's going, all those things that you we don't really have much control over. Uh, yeah, look, I... If you got Stephen Crichton, I think you're laughing. He could be end up being a hold for the season, uh, even though he's got such gross base. Like he's just fighting those attacking stats at the expense of Josh Mansour. I mean, ultimately, if you got Mansour, you're holding him. He's going to score tries eventually, uh, like he did last week. But you know that base is nothing to sneeze at, and there's not many center wings who are delivering those types of scores as a floor each week. So yeah, you can't trade him out, but. It's a bit frustrating. I can totally understand that. Um, first Sunday game, Bulldogs and the Eels. So the Bulldogs, they 
They have Tim Laffey jumping over from the Dragons. He replaces Carrot Holland at center. They've also got uh, Brandon Wakeham and Renoff Tumaga uh, dropping out, and Jack Cogger and Suwaso Su come in. Uh, I mean, I honestly don't understand the the obsession with Cogger. I just don't see any upside there. Wakeham at least has some creativity about him. Just don't get it. Uh, I mean, I hope Tamaga's injured or something because he should not be being um, dropped for Suaso Su. That just doesn't. Yeah, I can't. I can't deal with that. Now, Jake Avarillo. I mean, can't be too upset with his score last week. But the really interesting thing is he and Meany both in the team. Meany took the first goal kick, but then Avarillo took over. Meany wasn't off the field. There was no apparent injury. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but. Um, Avarillo, I think, if he's kicking, he's not your worst fifth or sixth center wing. Could end up being a season-long hold. He's got a pretty handy dual position. I've used it multiple times to make trades. So, yeah, I, I think as he's... I mean, obviously you can sell him if you need to, the cash or whatever, but he's not a bad backup if he's got that goal-kicking. And he's got a decent work rate for a center. Uh, and, you know, I like him. I like the way he plays. So, uh, yeah... Fotella Mariner, I think he's too expensive now, and you can't trust those attacking stats to keep coming for the Bulldogs, especially not against the Eels, but he's, you know, if you jumped on six weeks ago, you'd be laughing, so uh, I will, you know, pat myself on the back, I did give him, like, multiple, I feel like I was bringing him up three weeks in a row, um, when he was sub 400k, and I just stopped talking about him once he got too expensive, so, you know, well done, if you listened, jumped on, if you didn't, then, you know, no, I didn't jump on either, so it's not the end of the world. Uh, yeah, look, let's let's move on from the Bulldogs to talk about the Eels. So, look, straight up, Ryan Madison, he's named, but who knows if he's going to play. Um, just some chats of Wacko. He thinks he's not going to make it, uh, but, you know, there are 10 days, and that's a lot of time for him to go through the protocols and pass and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I wonder if he's going to sit this one out. Now, I think because this is the second last game of the round, that's a bit of a drama. That's a bit of a frustrating one there. I would strongly suggest having some sort of contingency in place. Now, that's hard because you can only, you know, if you need to trade Madison out, if he's in your 17, firstly, I would make sure, you know, there's two ways to deal with this. One, put him as your fourth back rower. So make sure you've got another three you can start ahead of him and put the fourth, uh, put a reserve on him. And if he's out, you take the reserve off him, pop it on someone else who, you know, is going to play from either the Bulldogs or the Eels or, you know, the Storm and the Knights. Now, I don't know who that might be. Um, The alternative is you trade him out. And to me, what makes most sense here is if you have, like, enough, uh, like a front row forward or back, um, you know, like a... Front row forward, second row forward, dual position enough. There's quite a few of them. Um, preferably one who plays for the Storm or the Knights or the Eels or the Bulldogs. So you can nuff out someone uh, if you don't have one already there, but nuff them out. And then if Mano's out, uh, use that player to trade in Clemmer. And then, you know, Clemmer might be your third front row forward for this week. That you can just take the reserve off from Madison, put on a Clemmer, 
and you're laughing. So that's obviously if you don't own Clem already. If you don't, if you do own him already, it's a bit harder. You might have to look at say Kenny Bromwich, who has like a single digit break even. Again, the matchup's not flash, but it's going to be pretty good next week when they play the Bulldogs. So you might get some decent scores there. Um, yeah, that's one option. Finucane's probably the safer option if you want just a 50-60 score um, to, to bank some points there. Um, like I said, you know, you could take the risk of getting Fatello Mariner and, um, you know, hope that hope that uh, there are still some attacking stats there for him uh, or even a bit of a risky one. And I don't mind this, but Mitch Barnett, uh, someone to keep an eye on. Look, not ideal um, that he is lock. I much prefer him as an edge back roller for super coach purposes just because he gets the minutes. He usually plays 80 minutes when he's playing 80 minutes on an edge. His work rate's pretty similar between lock and edge. He just hard worker, bus tackles, has an offload. If you get him on the field for 80 minutes, he scores pretty well. At lock, he seems to only play 50 minutes or so. And he scores well for that time, but it's just not 80 minutes on an edge. It's 50 minutes at lock and he's gassed and, you know, offloading opportunities are lower, attacking stats are lower. Yeah. But, you know, you could even go Madison to Lockie Fitz, even though it's against the storm is not ideal, but like I said, that's where, you know, this is your contingency. You don't want to do it if you don't have to because you hope Maddo plays, but these are the couple of things I would look at as a kind of your backup options there. But, uh, yeah, back to the Eels. They obviously um, they have named him, so they think they're going to play. Kane Evans and uh, Oregon Kafusi come back onto the bench, and Takarangi and Stefano uh, drop out for the Eels there. But, look, I think the Eels... You know who they are. Uh, we've talked about them. They've had a lot of luck with injuries. So for the most part, you know, they've managed to have a lot of continuity in their team. Their combinations are great. I think Mike Acevo is a great option for the late season. The Eels have a nice, pretty cushy draw at the end of the year. Mitch Moses is super cheap at the moment, so you can jump on and get him. Dylan Brown is super consistent. Um, I just feel like between those two and Gutho, they're going to steal the points from each other. And, you know, it's going to be rare to see two of these guys turn up. We saw it in round two against the Titans, but not since then. And a lot of it, I think it's just because, yeah, Gutho's taking points off Dylan Brown on that left side or, or, you know, Mitch Moses takes the ball and goes down to the right. So the left side doesn't get as much attack. So, yeah, I think that's the, that's the reality with the Eels there. Um, a lot of good creative players. They're going to stay, take some attacking stats. But Sivo is my pick. Um, obviously getting a lot of ball down that left edge, and I reckon they're going to try keep him as the top, um, you know, try scorer in the comp, if not the outright try scorer, top try scorer. So on the other side, you've got Ferguson, who just can't, cannot buy a try to save himself. Um, just so much, so unlucky. Like, I feel like there's been at least three tries where he, you know, he scored them, but for one reason or another, you know, these, these calls have gone the other way against him, and he's missed out. But he's so cheap. He's just pumping out base. He's, you know, would it be surprising if he scored a couple of tries before the end of the season? Not at all. It's just whether or not you wanted to stomach that or whether you want to pay another 200 grand and get Sivo, who, I, I mean, I almost guarantee he'll score a couple more tries before the end of the year. Um, look, it'd be bad if I didn't talk about Reagan Campbell-Gillard, who is absolutely on fire. Like, you know, fire emojis all over the place here. But he is... You know, he's never done this before, you know? That's the thing. And and how long can he keep it up for? Look, maybe for the rest of the season, but he is 
definitely benefiting at least partially from injuries to the teammates. So obviously Madison last week, Madison missing the week before, Nathan Brown suffering a cork or whatever. The week before Junior Paulo gets a back spasm. The week before that Mitch Moses disappears for half the game. And, you know, you've got guys like Takarangi who pinch 20 minutes here and there, but they're 20 minutes where Campbell Gillard gets a breather because Nathan Brown plays extra minutes there. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you look at the minutes earlier in the year, he was sitting around the 50, sometimes 40 mark. Um, it wasn't until, like, these injuries started happening, he started getting 55, 60, 65, and sometimes even 80, close to 80 minutes. It wasn't until then that he started busting out these massive scores. And look, maybe it's it's like a you know part and parcel of those bigger minutes that he's getting the confidence, he's running harder, he's playing so much better, and he might just keep getting those minutes while he's earned them. But I don't know that for sure. And look, I just sort of raise it so people can at least look at this um, with with clearer eyes as to not not just be blinded by the five round average and the minutes played and things like that. Just realizing that there has been reason for him to get more game time. I kind of still feel Junior Polo is the better, safer option if you wanted to go with front row forward pod, but like I said, I couldn't fault anyone who wants to take a bit of a punt on Reagan Campbell-Giller just because of how well he's played. He's on fire. Can't argue with that. Uh, Andrew Davies worth looking at. He looks pretty good. I mean, when he took over from Madison, um, he had a really nice offload. Only came off, I think, because he had a HIA. Uh, which he passed and then went back on. So he might have ended up playing the rest of the game out. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the plans are for him here, whether he went, you know, when he comes on, Madison goes to lock and gives Nathan Brown a spell, or I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they work uh, Davy in, because I feel like he's earned some more minutes with his play. Uh, and last game, I know I've been going on so much, but there's so much to talk about. The Storm and the Knights. So obviously the Storm, Brenko Lee, broken hand, he's out. Momorowski was on the bench. He's out with the finger, torn tendon, whatever. Uh, Marion Sevi comes back in at center. Eisenhuth back from a hamstring injury himself onto the bench, getting a similar role, I would imagine. Otherwise, the Storm, you know what they are. I mean, if you've got Pappenhausen, I honestly don't mind if you sell him. Like, I'm looking at maybe selling him now to Nofaluma. Uh, his break-even's not super low. He could miss it because... Yeah, the fact is that he does get more attacking stats when Munster's not in the team. And it makes sense, because when Munster's there, he's going to get the ball, he's going to get the ball to attack with. And Paps is just, you know, he's there to get the ball and score, or, um, uh, you know, he's he's there to run the decoy and, and distract the, the, t- the other opposition defenders and uh, things like that. But, yeah, when, when Munster's not there, Pappenhausen becomes second receiver so often, um, he has a nice little combination with Hughes when that happens, and we saw like that that try, that beautiful pass to Pappenhausen just burst down the right edge, and that beautiful inside pass back to Hughes, like that was skillful. It was great to watch. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't count on that um, necessarily being a you know a weekly occurrence, obviously, especially not when Munster's back in the team. Speaking of Munster, obviously he's a great boy. Um, you know, every chance he's going to be the top scorer in 5 8 at the end of the season. Although, right now, he's one point um, behind Sean Johnson as far as averages go. But yeah, I'd back Munster to be right up there come end of season. Um, otherwise, you're looking obviously Cam Smith at Hooker. He is expensive right now, so that's fair, but he's got a single um, digit break even as well. So he's not getting cheaper anytime soon. And I mean, 
he scored 115 on, on the Knights earlier this year. Although he has had some lower scores against the Knights in recent times. So I don't I wouldn't take it as a given that he is going to um, you know, raise the bat again or anything like that, but you know, it's Cam Smith. He gets it done against anyone he feels like, so yeah, hard to argue with getting him there. As for getting some pods from the rest of this Storm team, I mean, I know I jumped on Kenny Bromwich last week, but it was just because he was so cheap, and he had the Broncos, so I don't expect him to score 80s or whatever every week, but there are going to be some games where I'll feel comfortable playing him. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not decided on whether I'll roll him out this week, but you know, against the Bulldogs next week, absolutely, I plan on playing him. And probably cashing out after that, uh, and and you know maybe Angus Crichton will be ready to go, and I'll get him back in for 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 Kenny. Uh, but you know in terms of other pods here, I mean Jerome Hughes is someone I've seen people look at, and I, I get it. You know for the most part he's got a pretty solid base for a half. He's got that nice dual position, which can be handy sometimes, especially if you you know do cop an injury at fullback for you know the likes of. Turbo or Pong or whatever that might get hurt later, and you know we've seen just a just just scored 93, and then just a couple of weeks back 87, 85. So sitting on five round average of about 66, 67 points. So uh, I don't mind Hughes as a pod, but I just feel like you know he's always going to be behind Cam Smith, Cam Munster uh, as far as attacking priority goes, and maybe in mixed in with Pappenhausen in there as well. So. It's a tough one. There's only so many points they can get around, but if the Storm keep playing like they do and racking up scores, then I dare say we're going to see a couple more tons coming in from these guys. Um, but, yeah, look, moving on to the Knights, last team. The Knights uh, just smashed a hooker. Chris Randall comes in for a second game uh, with McCulloch and Watson gone. Sonia Matadio is also injured, so Ed Guerra is back in the starting black row. Phoenix Crossland and Josh King joined the interchange. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some late changes to this lineup. It, it, it could very easily happen. But um, with Chris Randall, I mean, he, in his debut, he played like 90 minutes and scored 72 points or something ridiculous like that. So, he's obviously got the fitness. I uh, don't know if he's still going to have this this time. But, you know, with Phoenix Crossland there in the 14, there's every chance we might see Kurt Mann spelling Randall at hooker. And, you know, that's good for man in some respects because it means he might get 20 minutes of you know, tackles and, and a couple of potential attacking stats if he gets lucky. And then Phoenix Crossland will come in and play 5 8 for 20 minutes or so while, while Randall has a spell. So that might be how that rotation works out. Obviously, David Kalema had to play 80 minutes last week and just absolute beast. So we know you can do it. It's just a matter of whether he's going to get those minutes, but right now he looks like the safest front row forward option that's not called Payne Haas. And, you know, maybe arguably actually could end up being safer given the way Haas has been going lately with his minutes and how bad the Broncos are, full stop. Uh, Ponga looks back to his, you know, his best in terms of his workload from earlier this season. Uh, Looking over his scores again, I mean, we were disappointed, but it was just the two weeks. Aside from that, he's been smashing those scores this year. Uh, and I think Ponga, you know, even though it's a storm, so I'm not going to bring him in, even though I thought about it. Uh, I know he scored 67 on them earlier this year. He could easily go go large. Uh, but, you know, Supercoach is a game of probability and chance, and, you know, you look at the likelihood of things happening, and generally it's unlikely that the storm allow themselves to be 
flogged or scored well on enough to have too many people go 100 plus on them you need to be as good as James Tedesco basically to do it uh, but yeah look I, I if you got Ponga you're playing him you're happy with it if you don't have him you might give him one more week before you jump on that's probably where I'm at with that one uh, aside from that look I think and I talked briefly about Barnett before I, I am a fan if he gets the starting edge role but yeah I wouldn't look at him really unless he does get 60 plus minutes playing lock that could be sufficient for him to be a decent option but yeah for me the Knights and the Storm uh, a lot of these forwards are just you know Ryan Madison contingencies I'd probably have a plan in place to be able to do it if Matter's out. I think you'd want to trade him out if he's going to miss at least one one week, if not longer. If he's got lingering symptoms like he had uh, two years ago, that yeah, it's really hard to tell. You know that no concussions are, are the same as NRL physio has shared with us in the past. So it'll just come to how those symptoms go and how to how he works through those protocols from week to week. So. Yeah, look, that's a lot of chat about the team list, and it surprise, surprise, I'm actually chattier when Bear's not here. <laughs> but it is, you know, like I said, there's a lot to go through this week, and I think there's a lot of interesting options, but also some potential traps there. So hopefully I've broken it down a little bit for you guys. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm going to spend a little bit of time just talking about strategically what I think needs to be focused on here with eight weeks to go. Uh, I, I would be hopeful by this point in time you've got yourself set up to the extent that you know, you've know you got all the, the key players like your, you know, your Payne Haas, your Jason Tomalolos, your Madisons, that, you know, obviously that's a bit of a question mark now, Cleary, Johnson, Munster um, you know, in the back row, um, so in center wing, you've got Isaiah Yo, maybe Anofa Luma, Zach Lomax, maybe Kurt Mann if you still got him. Like He's just been beasting it. And then you've got Teddy plus Ponga, Pappenhausen, just a backup fullback, a second gun, basically. And you know, Hooker, like I think either you have Grant plus one of Smith or Cook, or maybe just go and get Smith and Cook uh, for the back end of the year. So I still feel like the... the positions of opportunity here uh, are your fourth center wing positions and your second front row forward position and your third or fourth back row position i wouldn't be trying to pot up too many places elsewhere um you might go for one pod half in like a flanagan over a munster or uh you know a moses over a sean johnson or something like that that i don't mind those pod options as well but I feel like pretty much we're all going to have similar teams to that kind of structure. So it means that we're probably at that stage of the season where we will have maybe four or five points of difference each week that we would be playing to teams around us effectively. And I think that's where you've got to focus your energy in terms of cycling through. I mean, you know, work on getting the, the, the lockdown must have the top averaging players in each position. And then having those um, pods to cycle through in a, you know, on a matchup basis, or even every one or two, or even three weeks, like, like I was talking about before, jumping on the trail for a couple of weeks with the easy run, or Nofaluma for three weeks, and then swapping to someone else, or you know, looking for that easy month at the end of a season where you jump on DCE, or you know, if Kate Custer's still got that spot, like he's not a bad, um, you know, a, a, a dart throw where at the end of the season he could 
Jagger 100 or something like he just did this week and that's a, a good way of climbing up some points at the end of his season so that's kind of where I'd be building towards if you haven't already got yourself settled in your team you know take the next two weeks to get to that extent and then yeah keep um, pushing for those matchups in between while you can so like in terms of cash generation unless you're really strapped for cash like you're probably nothing uh, players out like I, I have currently you know I've already got Jared Anderson I'm looking at getting another nuff in soon. I might end up just sitting like, you know, like a, a Tessie Newton. I'm just going to let him rot there for the rest of the season because I don't generate that much cash from selling him. Uh, it just depends, obviously, how your team and how your cash flow is going and things like that. So I feel like we want to, we want to start having, culling our teams down to, you know, maybe 20, 19, depends on how well you've gone with making money, basically. But you know, with trades kind of running out a little bit, you might get to the point where you've got your your call 12, 13, 14 players, you've got a couple of pot options floating about, and then you just start nuffing guys out so you, you don't have so many, so much deadwood floating around. And then you've got a bank balance to start cashing in and swapping players in and out of your team to take advantage of matchups. So that's how I'd be playing it over the next few rounds. And, you know, if, if that's not clear, then hit me up on Twitter, uh, and, and obviously I've got the late mail edition later this week to go through as well. But yeah, I guess that's where I think I will leave things this week. So look, thank you for bearing with me through this. I'm sorry it's been, you know, just me draining on. Hopefully you've gotten still uh, something out of it. I, you know, appreciate any feedback you can give us. Uh, maybe you feel this episode uh, on Tuesday uh, or Wednesdays, depending on when you get to, to listen to it, maybe you feel it's too long. Maybe you want it broken up a bit more. I mean, these are things we'd love to hear from you. So drop us a review on Apple or whatever um, format you listen to our podcast. Uh, we do capture those reviews where we can uh, so we can take you on board your feedback. And again, as always, subscribe to make sure you get those episodes as soon as they drop, especially the late mail one. I know it's hard. Sometimes we might not get it out till about one, two in the afternoon and you only have a small window to try get through you know, to listen to Wacko's Whispers and stuff like that before the lockout um, for the Thursday night game. So, yeah, look, again, um, hit us up on Twitter if you've got any questions or feedback. Uh, again, reviews are, are really helpful for us, so we'd love to see you do that. Uh, and if you're not sure about what's going on in our Patreon, um, again, hit me up again on my Twitter profile. There's a link to it. Uh, but, you know, shout out to the champs who are... <laughs> we're getting to the real critical stage of a season uh, obviously you know we're going to keep pushing to get you guys as high as possible some of you are really flying this year so it's great to see especially you know those of you who've been with us since last year and and uh we've seen you really take it that next step in terms of your overall rank so that's really encouraging i know there's also a group that have had great finish last year and it's just not been your year this year so uh you fellow chumps uh, suffering with me but, you know, like I said, we're going to keep pushing and try to get our, our best possible finish despite how uh, much we're struggling now. But, look, that's enough rambling from me. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will catch you again soon. Have a good one. Bye.